Hello, you mindful mamas, and welcome back to Enlightenhood. I'm your host, Lena Lemos, and today we are talking to empowerment strategist Kathy McKinnon. Kathy has such a powerful and inspirational story from infertility issues to a cancer diagnosis to divorce. Kathy rose from the ashes and is creating a life of bliss and joy and is raising her son consciously and mindfully. And not only that, but her journey led her to become an empowerment coach for other women. And I love, love, love so much that she said this, that she's helping them make shifts happen. (laughs) Don't you love that? I told her I'm going to steal that and use that all the time. But anyway, I think we can learn so much from Kathy's story that we all have our truths and we have our journey, but they're what make us us and strong and powerful. So here's Kathy. So after three miscarriages, you found out that you had cancer, correct? Correct. And that sent you on a downward spiral. It it truly did because I felt like number one, with the miscarriages, I couldn't do this thing that like is supposed to just come naturally to you as a woman. And I was in my mid twenties when typically many, many people are having babies. All my friends around me were having babies. And I was like, what is wrong with me? And then going through the process of trying to learn that, I found out I had cancer and I was just like, oh my God, who, who can deal with kind of this double whammy in a very short time period. And, and, and so, yes, it it truly sent me down because I felt like it was an uphill battle that I wasn't sure I was going to win. So then what did you do after, after you found that out, what did the next 48 hours look like? After I got my cancer diagnosis, the next 48 hours were literally a haze. I had no idea what to think. I had no idea what to say to my family, my friends. How do you even begin to explain to people that you have cancer? I didn't even know what to think myself. Like, what does this mean for my future? How does this change things? What treatments do I have to go through? How are those going to impact me? I was literally like dumbfounded. I couldn't move. I couldn't think. I couldn't function. So then I woke up on the Monday because I had found out on a Friday. And I woke up on a Monday. And, you know, I had gathered all my thoughts. And I just at that point was like, you know, what? I'm not ready to give up. I'm not ready to give up on me and my life and living. I'm not ready to give up on my battle to have my baby. And I wanted a very clear plan from the doctors, the cancer doctors, the fertility doctors on what do we do next and tell me what I need to do. And I'm going to go through whatever I need to go through to get there because I'm not done yet. So how was that news received from your partner? You know, he, um, he was very quiet and he was probably just as dumbfounded as as I was. Um, again, I was under the age of 30, so it is not something you expect to hear. You don't expect to hear it anytime, but, um, I had no symptoms. I had no family history. And so it really just came out of nowhere for us. And so 
I think he didn't know how to react himself. And, you know, at the time he was just very quiet about it and let me go through what I needed to go through to wrap my head around it. Um, but I think, you know, honestly, he was thinking some of the thing, same things I was is what do we do? What does this mean? So then once you had time to sit with it, did you decide you had a plan of action to really attack it? Absolutely. I, I sat with, you know, my care team, my doctors and, okay, what do we need to do to attack the cancer? Okay. And then after we attack the cancer, what is my plan to get to my baby? Because at that point, that is honestly all I wanted. What, tell me what I need to do, what boxes I need to check to get to my baby. So then what was that journey like in between deciding you had a plan of action and actually getting to your baby? It was an absolute roller coaster. Two weeks after I found out I had the cancer, I had surgery. About a month after that, I had radiation. And then following that, I had to wait 12 months to get all the radiation out of my body before I could go back to the fertility specialist and start that journey again. And really, by the time the 12 months had lapsed and I went back to the fertility specialist, at that point, I just looked at him and I said, we need to do what we need to do to make this happen now. because. As I'm getting older and all the effects of all the treatments on my body, we don't know how much time I have left to continue to, to carry children. And so we need to make this happen fast. <laughs> wow. So then how long did it actually take for you to become pregnant? It did not take too long after that 12 months had lapsed for me to become pregnant but I did suffer additional miscarriages before I was finally pregnant with um, my son. And so those additional miscarriages, they were very frustrating to me because I was really at the point of, I need this closure. I need this baby because in my mind at that time, the baby would make all the fighting, all the doctors, all the treatments, all the running around from hospital to hospital, putting my body through craziness. It would make it all worth it. And what was that journey like? What kind of toll did it have on your relationship? It had a massive toll on my relationship because we were both so focused on the journey and my medical care and our entire care team of doctors and juggling all that, that we didn't take any time for our relationship. We were checking off boxes and going through the to-do list of, we need to do this, we need to do that. And there really was no nurturing the relationship. And then once you found out you were pregnant, did that change at all? Cause it was like the light at the end of the tunnel that you had been working towards. Yeah, I mean, I it did and it didn't, right? And I have to say that, to be honest. And I spent nine months of my pregnancy with my son anxious because of everything that had happened before, just unfortunately waiting for something to happen, terrified that something would happen. And after my son was born, I thought, this is it, right? It's going to be the white picket fence 
life, right? I finally mm-hmm. had my baby. And what didn't happen was exactly that. And all those issues and all that unresolved stuff on my relationship came to a head after my son was born. And we focus on how do we address this now? And then, so how did you address it? Where did you even begin? You know, we try to address it, but maybe we didn't do enough. We can always look back and say hindsight is twenty twenty. But there was so much going on with the new baby and we're both working. And not that that is any sort of excuse to not take time for your relationship. But what happened is there was so much damage done in our relationship that neither of us had great ways to cope. And my partner turned to alcohol. And after many, many months of that and finding, you know, things out and, and, not being open and honest with each other about our emotions and what we were feeling, things came to just an explosive head where we said, this has to end. Wow. So then you have a baby and you're going through a divorce. How did you make it through? You know, someone asked me that um, a while back and I had never really sat back and thought about it. And they said, what, what one word would describe what got you through this? And the first word that came to my head was grit. Mm. Because in my heart of heart, even though the decisions were very challenging to make and one person juggling it all is never easy. And I do believe, you know, parent children need their parents, but I also knew I had to do what I had to do to give my son the best life that I could give him. And it wasn't going to be easy. It was going to be exhausting. There were going to be tears. There were going to be frustrations. But at the end of the day, it's what needed to be done. Wow. So then you have this body that went through all of this trauma. You had this soul that went through all of this trauma How did you really begin to step back into yourself and fall back in love with your life and yourself and really grow from the ashes? Yeah, it was, it was a long process. It was a hard process because I think that internal work is the hardest work you will ever do because it's very easy to shove it to the back of our brains. But in the midst of the divorce And having, you know, days alone in in the marital house where I didn't go out because I didn't talk to my friends and family about what was going on. I had a lot of time to sit and think and journal and write and think about what I wanted for my life and how I was going to get there. And I didn't have all the details of how I was going to get there. I had baby steps. I knew for the first, you know, six, nine months, okay, this is what we need to do to get to step one of our new life. And that was finding a new house and moving. And I decided that when we didn't move, we were going to create a new life. 
We weren't taking any of this baggage with us. We weren't taking any of this drama, any of this emotion with us. And we were going to start fresh. And by fresh, that meant clearing the calendar of anything that did not suit this new life that we had, whether it was not attending events, whether it was creating new events that fed our soul, whether it was deciding to ignore the outside world and just having mother son time and creating those boundaries and expectations for myself has created so much joy and released so much anxiety and stress that while of course at times it's hard to say no because we want to be people pleasers we want to be everywhere and do everything Mm -hmm. we are actually so much better off in showing up for the world when we do create those boundaries so how long did it really take this life that you wanted to flourish Oh, it's, it's been three years now since I've been in my new home and moved out of the marital home and and created this new world. It was definitely not an overnight process. And every day it evolves just a little bit more. Every day I learn something about myself or my son about what works for us or what doesn't work for us. Um, Especially as he's more involved at school and sports. Um, And those are the things I want to be there for. So you know what? Okay, maybe that means we cancel some other things or you know what? The laundry doesn't get done today and that's okay. So it sounds like when you were journaling and you made these baby steps, you really had this idea of this life that you were working towards. What were some of the other elements that were just in this beautiful life that you knew that you had to take baby steps towards? One of the elements, and I think it was the biggest element, is I wanted for my son a life where we could go on adventure and we can be creative and he can see cultures and we can expand our minds. And how are we going to do that? Some of it is just events in the community. Some of it is I want the ability to travel and teach him about different parts of the world, different cultures. I want him to be involved in charity and see that we can help others. And so how do we free ourselves up to have the time and the resources to do those things? And how do we build into our routines, those mindfulness factors to learn and be mindful about the world around us? I think that's so important. So what kind of mindfulness practices do you have with your son? Well, my son loves to go to yoga with me. He's my little yogi. Um, And He amazes me every time because I understand the attention span of children can be a challenge. (laughs) Um, And I understand going to restorative yoga, which is a very slow paced practice, can be a challenge even for some adults. And on New Year's Eve, we went to a restorative practice that was 90 minutes. Wow. And he sat on his mat and followed the instructor and didn't say a peep, it didn't complain the entire 90 minutes. Wow. I was floored. Wow. And that's when I knew I must be doing something right. Yeah. Oh, I have chills. 
So how is that, how has practicing these mind, these yoga practices and learning all these cultures, what kind of effect has that had on your relationship with your son? We have a very tight knit relationship and he, you know, we, we've put maps on the wall in his bedroom and we were talking about different places we want to travel. And I, it's not just to me why you want to travel there, because of course we'd all love to go to great destinations but when he picks out a place he wants to travel, I ask him why. What's there? What do you want to know about that place? And so we have this close dialogue of learning, of exploring. And he's very open with me. And I love that he can come and talk to me about anything and everything. And he will tell me when he's sad. He will tell me when he's happy. And I think instilling that ability in him about being able to voice what's on his mind, even if it's not all sunshine and rainbows is so critical in today's society. I agree. And not easy for everyone to do, even adults. So how did you really initiate that sharing of the emotions when he was younger? One thing that I've done for a few years now with him is every night at bedtime, after we go through the bedtime routine, we do what I call mindfulness moment. And he's got to give me one moment from the day that he thinks where he was being mindful. And sometimes it's as simple as he shared his snack, you know, with his classmate. Other times he's come to me and said, I want to help this person because they don't have some of the same things we do. Wow. And that's the stuff that brings tears to my eyes. I have goosebumps just thinking about it. And I'm going to steal that one day. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something simple. It's a two minute yes. question you can ask your child every day. Yeah. Wow. And just that he can recognize that is amazing too. What age did you start that? He was probably around four or five. Wow. And of course you get some goofy things at that age. Yeah. But it's more about being open and being able to talk through and recognize those things than necessarily what they are. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get, Hey, I played catch with the friend, you know, next door and it was really fun. Great. I'm glad you were able to enjoy yourself today. Yeah. And I think your responses are just as important of the way that you respond to his moments. Oh, absolutely. If you, as a parent, you know, laugh or play them off. They're not going to be as open to talking about it because they don't see you taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. But if you can point out or respond with why you see that those things are important, even if it is as simple as I'm glad it brought you joy to play with your friend, they learn to open up about emotions so much more. Mm. So let's talk about your coaching. Did, were you always a coach or did your journey bring you there? My journey brought me here. I, you know, never growing up, going through college, thought I want to be a coach. And through my journey and the life that I've created now, some of those fellow moms close to me had started to see the change in me. And they asked, how are you doing it? What are you doing? what is your secret sauce? I, I want to know because you're showing up every day, you're laughing, you're joking. 
And as a single mom, your head could be spinning. That's true. It could be. And I'm not going to say being single mom is always easy. But the more and more I started talking to fellow moms about it and helping them, one of the fellow moms said to me, why aren't you doing this as a business? You Mm. so many more women. And I sat back and thought, that's what I need to do. We need to let other women know that whatever you've gone through, wherever you've come from, whatever it is you've been through, it does not define your future. And you change it. It will take work. It won't necessarily be easy. But if there is a vision for your life that you want that is not what you have today, let's put some steps in place to get there. What's it been like empowering other women and helping other women show up as their authentic self? It has been an incredible ride to see some of my clients, even in six months, turn around their confidence and how they're showing up in the world. Even some of my clients who show up differently on social media now. Sometimes I will see a post by one of my clients and go, you know what? She wouldn't have posted that. Quotes, her postings, her pictures are a completely different shift than where she was at six months ago. And she's laughing and she's joking and she's having fun playing with her kids. That brings complete bliss me that is worth it all and what have you learned from about yourself from being a coach this experience I was telling one of my clients yesterday is a two-way learning I'm helping them but in the process I'm learning so much about myself I've refined what I want for my life I've refined what I'm willing to give my energy and time to. I've refined the things for my son and what I want him to experience. And I've dealt with my own limiting beliefs from my past. Two months ago, I couldn't figure out why I was struggling with something. And it literally came to me that it is because it was something from my childhood. Mm -hmm. And this, oh my goodness, moment where... That is why I've been doing this my whole life. And so it's through my clients that we're helping each other. And that's so powerful as women. I think there's nothing more powerful than women helping women, especially because it just helps to validate our entire journey. It really does because it's so many times as women, as moms, wives, girlfriends, whatever the title is, It can be a harsh and lonely world. Mm -hmm. And so I think other women knowing, you know, they're not alone, that their story matters, that there can be happiness and joy, regardless of what they've gone through, regardless of where they're at, and empowering them to create that space for possibilities and gaining clarity and taking action. Because in the long run, 
you've got one life and it really is a short journey. So let's not just go through the motions. Let's create complete bliss for your life. Oh, I love that bliss. I have a mantra band that says, follow your bliss. And that's been my mantra for the past few years. It really is filling your plate, your schedule, your calendar with so much positivity and things that bring you energy that those energy draining activities just fall to the side because there's just no space for them in your new world. Yeah. So how are you as a mom showing up for yourself? That's always the good question, right? (laughs) Yep. I do it for others and I'm there for my son, but what do I do for myself? Yes. And that is something that I ignored for years. Of course, when your children are very small and, and, you know, not independent, you need to be there as much as you can for them. And so it's very challenging to take self-care time. But now self-care time is blocked on my calendar. And it isn't defined what I do during that time, because some days maybe I just want to read. Some days maybe I want to go for a run. But that time is non-negotiable Kathy time. I love that. How long did it take you as a mother within to really block that into your schedule? How old was your son when you decided that that was a non-negotiable part of your day? Oh, I'm not going to lie. He was probably four or five, which is probably, you know, so long, but given everything I was going through it with him being young and my own health and whatnot, it took time and that's okay. Yeah. But now it's been a few years and how, how has it changed you taking that time for yourself every day? I am such a calmer person. I don't have all this anxiety or stress because I have dedicated downtime now to clear my head, reset, reboot, as opposed to just running around like a a crazy woman with my head spinning. Yeah. Wow. I, I, my daughter is eight weeks old, so I don't have much, (laughs) much time, but I, I do have a try to take a few minutes in the morning. And I do agree that it just helps so much with being able to be present in the moment and calm and reducing anxiety and really being able to handle each situation with grace and not as panicked and rushed as it could be. Oh, absolutely. I, that word there, grace, I did not know how to give myself grace in those years when my son was very young. I thought, If I didn't get everything done, I beat myself up for it. I thought, you know, shame on you. You're not, you know, the perfect mom because you didn't get everything ticked off the to-do list today. Giving yourself grace saying, you know what, it's okay. Yeah. Mom shame and mom shaming ourselves is a real thing. And it's so hard not to do. Absolutely. And having that mom guilt, because I am a working mom and I went back to to work when my son was still very young, having that guilt of, am I spending enough time with him? You know, am I doing all the things I should be doing as a mom? That mom guilt was real. And now I step back and I go, you know what? There's a reason I have to go to work. There's a reason that there is time away from my son. Sometimes it's just for, again, my own self-care time. 
But that just means that the time that I do have with him, I need to show up as the best mom that I can be for that time. Mm. And, And there's no guilt. I love that. I think that's such an important core principle of mindfulness is that you're taking this time for yourself to really be present in the moment so you can show up as your best self. And I think, you know, the comparison world is real. There's social media mm-hmm. world of, you know, the mom guilt, the comparison of moms. And it's hard to just do you be your authentic self, do what you think is right for your kid, your world, your household. But I think when you step into that and you say, I'm going to do what I need to do, what I want to do, regardless of you know, what my neighbor is doing or the other moms at the school are doing. That is so freeing Mm -hmm. that that enables you to show up because you're on a path that you want to be on, that you are defining, not somebody else's path. Yeah. Did you, when you were going through this transformation, were there any women who you saw who had already done it, who were your guiding light? Or did you just have this innate feeling that that's what you needed to do? I can't say I had other women in my life who had been through similar journeys. I think all of our journeys are a little bit different anyhow. But I had women that I looked up to. One of the most inspirational women in my life was my grandmother, who you know, she's just this tiny little woman at five foot. And, you know, she raised five kids while my grandfather was deployed. Wow. And I always looked at her and she was always laughing and smiling. And you could, you could question it. Like, how can you be laughing and smiling with all this craziness that you've been through? And she looked at me and she said, you do what you have to do to take care of your family. You buckle down and you grit through whatever you need to do. But the, at the end of the day, you have to remember to laugh because otherwise life can get way too serious. That's amazing advice. And so there are days where, you know, things are crazy in my household. We're running from one sports event to another and trying to figure out, you know, who's eating where, what, when. And now instead of stressing about that or getting angry, or yelling or screaming or whatever it might be, I laugh. I sit back and laugh because how comical is it that my life is so full that I have this to worry about? What a blessed life I have that these are the things that I'm trying to juggle. I was just going to say that 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 was the word that came to my mind was blessed and looking at it as a blessing, I think is extremely important and totally transforms the way you look at it. Oh yeah. Laughing about it for sure. Cause some days I'm just laughing going, this is this from the outside people seeing, you know, us run around from sports event to sports event or school event or work or whatever it might be, you know, sometimes feeling like the the roaming caravan of sports gear, (laughs) you know, people are probably laughing and you know what? I'm laughing too, because it probably looks ridiculous, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it doesn't upset me if it looks ridiculous because you know what? My son is having fun. I'm having fun watching him learn and grow. And you know what? That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Kathy, I think you're going to be a, a huge inspiration for a lot of women listening to this with your journey 
that they can relate to. So I always like to end this podcast on your words of wisdom uh, for anyone out there who really needs that extra push today. My words of wisdom for every woman, regardless of where you're at in life, is lead with your heart. And I understand that can be challenging at times because stresses of the world do try to come down on us. But lead with your heart and honestly, in time, it will all fall in place. Thank you for listening to Enlightened Hood, a movement that empowers mindful motherhood and sees the beauty in every woman's why. If you would like to be part of our community, find us on Instagram at Enlightened Hood and subscribe to this podcast where we put out new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. Thank you.